freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports Station. And Brooke Wire, you are. And Brooke, you are. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Streaming audio and video on the Seattle Sports app. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Yes, sir. Uh, we'll talk to Ross Tucker in 30 minutes. We'll talk to KJ Wright, who will be here for the 8 o'clock hour. Apparently, people are tracking flights throughout the night. Schneider is meeting with his people. And I would hope that uh, we will see some white smoke within the next 24 hours. Brock and Salk here on CL Sports on 710 clsports.com. Johnson's out. Ben Johnson uh, mm. says he's out. Maybe yep. the team's decided he was out. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Same with Bobby Slowick. He's out. Mm-hmm. We know Raheem Morris took another job. So now mm-hmm. you're down to... It's so funny. I wrote four options yesterday because I thought I forgot about Mike Kafka. Yep. I thought he was done. I thought they hadn't second interviewed him, but I guess they did. Oh, yeah. They and did. So I'm sorry. I guess I put Mike Kafka in the Frank Smith category, mm. but he's still uh, a possibility. And as soon as I left him out, it was everybody. Bobby Slowick that didn't get a I know. Yeah. yeah sorry. And then everybody mm-hmm. starts to well, Mike Kafka's a real thing. Mm-hmm. Brock, what do you think's going on? What They were meeting last oh. night. What do you think those conversations were like? I think John's like? got to be exhausted. I, I, you know, this has been three weeks of just doing a ton of these interviews and you know yesterday we talked about it compared to his draft process and i think it is very similar it's a totally exhaustive you're trying to learn as much as you possibly can about all of these guys all these organizations where this league is going and yeah they had a long flight back from baltimore yesterday some speculation that mike mcdonald was on it i could not confirm nor deny that either way but i would think by the end of day today this decision's got to be made. Mm-hmm. It's February 1st, right? And, and you know, he's already sent scouts down to the Senior Bowl, so there's no coaching staff down there at the Senior Bowl or the East-West Bowl. Uh, he's not down there, which is where, you know, you're starting to talk to a lot of different agents. So everything's going to be sped up in this month of February. There's a lot of free agents on this roster you got to deal with. There's an entire coaching staff that whomever is selected today or first thing hopefully tomorrow has got to put together. There's... There's a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we sat and talked with Jerry Depoto yesterday, and you start to realize in baseball, man, that every there, there's no downtime, right? Every day, every week of the calendar really largely has stuff going. Your downtime in the NFL is after minicamp from like June 15th to July 15th. Right now is go time all around the league, and a decision's got to be made, and I hope it's made today. So what do you think is going to happen? I, I, I will say to you now that my present my preference based on everything we've seen which is like half of the real content, right? Maybe. Right now, because I've changed my mind like 10 times, it's Avero. Mm. Commanding presence, been around a little bit, seen some good, seen some bad, isn't just the best coordinator on the best team, right? I just, mm-hmm. I, I, I played the sound earlier. For, did you hear Mark Schlereth at all yesterday? The Because the, I asked you about Steve Spagnolo, yep. And he's that guy, he's like one of those, Spagnolo. Fangio, Josh McDaniel, those are the guys that kind of worry me a little bit right now with, with Mike McDonald, and here is what mm-hmm. Schlereth said to Wyman and Bob. There's some guys that that's, you know, that's kind of quote-unquote the Peter principle, you know, you rise the level of your confidence, and, and at least he, you know, he probably knows that, and he knows where he fits, and uh, and that's fine. I mean, he's, he's great at what he does. They have done an unbelievable job with that defense. He's talking about Steve Spagnuolo. Yep. I don't know whether that's Mike McDonald, but mm-hmm. the group that is convinced he's the savior because he did a great job coordinating the Baltimore defense, right. that worries me. Yes. 
Remember, it was the Peter principle that really, I think, cost Peter Carroll his job. Ken Norton was an amazing linebacker coach. Mm -hmm. Amazing. You hear all the stories from KJ. KJ will be in next hour, right? And all the reverence that he and Bobby and those guys had for Ken Norton, the bad cop, barking out there, the one holding court, the one holding that linebacker room accountable. He was not a D coordinator. It was it was failed with the Raiders. And then for some reason, Pete wanted to give him a, another turn at it. It was failed in Seattle. Clint Hurts, amazing defensive line coach, amazing, has been, commands that room, gets the most out of those D linemen. Well, he's a, a great D line coach. He can be a great D coordinator. No, no, that's not always how it works, you know, having to lead that entire crew. And, it, and I don't think it particularly went well the last couple of years. Mike McDonald is an amazing defensive coordinator. And I'll say this. I went back and kind of looked at his story, Salk, right? Born in Boston, raised down there in Georgia. Went to the university, played high school football, you know, went to the University of Georgia, was a GA down there, mm -hmm. and it's just kind of worked his way up. He's coached every room on that defensive side. He's been in the secondary, been in the linebacker room, gets elevated to a D coordinator spot, thrives twice at Michigan and with the Ravens in that position. And now it's just a matter of, is he a guy that can command everything? Mm -hmm. Can he put the whole staff together? Can he lead as we've had these conversations for three weeks, the entire group? Because as a D coordinator, I don't think there is any question whatsoever. Yeah. But this big step up, big, big step up. So what do you and think? You and I, yeah. and you and I, honestly, and anybody else and anybody on Twitter and everybody and Brady Henderson, all of us are on the outside looking in on mm -hmm. this. We're not sitting in these meetings. We're getting little tidbits from Ian Rappaport and, right. you know, we're getting little it tidbits from It makes it really Schechter. hard to have makes a preference. really difficult. Yeah. I, I mean, as I said, I think right now it's Averro, then McDonald, then Quinn. But if they were to hire either Patrick Graham or Mike Kafka, don't you think that would be incredibly telling that one of those guys blew Bloom them away, away Bloom against, you know, more br name brand candidates? So I, I do feel like they're in a good spot. Like, so remember when we hired Kyle Brown as an intern? Remember all those interns we interviewed? I mean, we interviewed like 10 interns, right? Interviewed them all. Did and then it was like, yeah, you know, we, we really should sit with this Kyle Brown guy. And he mm -hmm. was the last one. And boom, he becomes an intern. He becomes a board up. He becomes a producer. Now he he's becomes, our boss. Now he's our boss. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's kind of the way it works. I noticed yesterday when I uh, that there's a group of people out there that are that are really afraid of how Jody is handling this, mm. Jody Allen. There's okay. a, contingent, a contingent of fans that point to what's happened with the Blazers and say, you know, she's going to destroy the Seahawks the same way. I don't know what to make of it because I don't really – I've always been sort of fascinated by Jody as a figure. I've never talked to her. I've never met her. Never really heard her speak. I don't even really know what she looks like. Yes. And on one hand, you know, the team hasn't been as good since Paul died and she took over. And we heard John talk about budgets in a way we never had before, right? And mm -hmm. we heard, you know, there's a looming sale and Pete complaining about non-football people. Yep. So I, I understand the inclination to go down that road. On the other hand – have, you know, the Blazers are bad right now. Have the Blazers ever been good? I mean, not really, right? I mean, that's like not in like the a, 90s. For like a few years, but that's sure. not been a, a wildly successful franchise. No. Nope. And being bad in the NBA is usually better than being in the middle. Yeah. I've often worried that Jody gets kind of a bad rap because of the position she's in, right? Where she was sort of, I think, the, you know, the, the, the yin to Paul's gang, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. she was sort of asked to play a role, I think. Well, I think I can settle some of this. She has empowered John Schneider through this. This is John's decision through and through. Everybody that I have talked to down the road, it is John's decision. If she really wanted to blow this thing up, if she really wanted to tear it down, you know what she would have done? Blown John up and blown Pete up. 
and started all over and said, me and my committee here is going to hire the GM and we're going to be the ones hiring the coach. She did not do that. Mm -hmm. She looked at the situation and said, this culture is pretty good. This team's pretty good. The pieces here are in place. Now, John, we just need a new voice and we need some new X's and O's. We need a little new leadership here. And he, she has fully empowered him to completely make this decision. You got that sense from Pete in his exit final interview. You certainly got that sense from John in his Tuesday sit down with the press a couple of weeks ago. So I, I would, I don't know, alleviate some of the fears from some of that crowd because mm -hmm. if she wanted to do that, she would have total control over this thing. I and think that's, that's kind of where situation. I've landed, but I thought I'd bring it up uh, yeah. because I, I don't know much about Jody. And I never heard her talk. I would love to talk to her. Tough business person. I, I would absolutely love to get Jody Allen on this show. It's never happened. I've asked for it. I've asked for Paul. I've asked for Jody. It's never happened. Yep. I'm not surprised by that. Is it I, the way you've asked, you think? I, it's always possible. But I would really I would love to talk to her. I would love to hear about, you know, her plans yeah. and what, what, the, what she would like the Seahawks to be long term. I'd agree. I'd agree. I, I think it'd be good for the 12s. Right. I, I think, you know, Paul was was one thing and, and we got enough, I think, of Paul Allen, you know, through the years with different tidbits. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, we have no feel for for Jody and that leadership at all. And I'd I just think like to be, know. Yes. I, and it, I, I, you know, I'm not looking to do a scathing like, how dare you? Because I, I, I know nothing. Let's have Jody on one side and John Stanton on the other. Let's have the four of us in there, a little round table. That would be uh, – I'm in, I'm in for that if okay. they are, that's for sure. All right, All right. Uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, give you guys everything you need to know. And then uh, Ross Tucker is going to join us, who are I like sure? a lot. No, I'm never sure. Okay. I mean, right. the, who knows what's going to happen. But Give more a break. What? <laughs> I heard Brock and Moore were already fighting this morning yeah, off fought, the air, yeah. so we'll, see, we'll see where the rest Brothers of this day goes. It's coming up. Brock and Salt, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. You know, I thought we were going to get a coach yesterday, Brock, but at the time I, I thought Mike McDonald was here. I didn't realize that they had flown to Baltimore to do it. So they had to fly back. They had to have their meetings. They did that last night. I'm sure they're continuing today. But I would have to think that by now they're at least focused on which direction they want to go. And I would hope yeah. that by the end of the day today, tomorrow at the latest, we'll find out who the next coach is of the Seattle Seahawks. What do we say at the end of the show? The hay is in the barn. The yeah. hay is in the barn. You've, you've had three weeks it's you and Washington are the only teams left. You have done so many interviews. You have done so many multiple interviews. You have interviewed former coaches. You've interviewed current young coordinators. You, you've done all of your due diligence, right? And this now you're in the war room. You got to make your selection. This process feels very, very similar to the 14 years that John has run those war rooms. And all that I have heard from everybody that's been in that room is it's unbelievably buttoned up. By the time you get to that decision, you have done all your homework, you've done all your legwork, you've learned everything you possibly can, and now you've gotta put the card into the commissioner. And in this case, you've gotta reach out to the agent, you gotta secure that contract, and I'd be really curious to know if Mike McDonald was indeed on that plane mm -hmm. from Baltimore back to Seattle last night, because if he was, I think he's introduced as your next Seattle Well, certainly if he's flying back with him, but I don't, I don't know. My gut says it's still going to be Dan Quinn. That's my gut. Mm. My head says it's going to be Mike McDonald. That that's heart, why they waited. And your this heart long. says it's Evero. My heart Avero. Want, wants it to be Ajero Avero. Ajero Avero. Are you sure it's Ajero? Yes, we we listened to him say it yesterday. We spent some time. Did you really? Ajero Avero is how he pronounced it himself. <laughs> All right, let's go. That's how he pronounced it. Ajero Avero. We'll find out at some point. 
here's the second thing you need Stephane to know. Stephane Gamore. Stepan Gamore. <laughs> yes, the day after bringing in a full-time second baseman and a key part of the 24 lineup, the Mariners have added another utility player in a small deal with KC yesterday. They acquire Samad Taylor, who can play infield, outfield, but his real skill is he can run. He's also got options. He'll likely start in AAA. How do you feel right now if you're Sam Haggerty? Mm. Yesterday, you got pretty much kicked off the starting opening day roster by the Jorge Polanco trade. They've also acquired Samad Taylor and Cole Tucker. He's the guy who's married to Vanessa Hudgens. Right. And they also were uh, signing Nick Solak yesterday. And they got that little dude they traded for last year at the deadline. Right. Bl- Bliss. Blicks. Oh, yeah. Ryan Bliss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who if you're Sam out, Haggerty, Ron. you're like, are you kidding me? Like, what do I have to do? Yeah. Yeah, that guy's going to have to work real hard. Team took yep. another bullet yesterday. Fired from a national reporter, Ken Rosenthal became the latest to accuse them of using root sports and that debacle as an excuse to not spend. Is he right? Yes, in some ways, obviously. They should be taking more advantage of this opportunity. On the other hand, Brock, I, I had said this earlier. You weren't on when Phil Mackey joined me yesterday. Do you realize what the Twins have done for their payroll this year? The Twins are one of the handful of teams that are caught up in this regional sports TV mess right now. They currently don't have a TV contract. They're trying to figure out where their games are going to be televised in 2024. So we figured that the payroll was going to come down to a certain extent. Right now, I think their payroll is down from like 159 million to 115 million. Yikes! Can you imagine? No. I know. I know that uh, we saw grades of F for the Mariners. Yes. That's an F. Yes. An F is when you drop your payroll from 159 to 115. Why do I feel like, and it'd be a real sucker punch to many, like a lot of these teams are somewhat colluding together to make sure, hey, maybe baseball will come in and be the golden parachute for all of us. If we all cry poor and we're all in this situation and we all got these regional networks mm-hmm. that are a mess, why don't we just let somebody else come in and kind of backfill some of that yep. rather than take the risk? Not in Baltimore. Looks like the old Angelos family has said, thanks, but we're no done. Thanks. We're all set here. Uh, in the meantime, what Jerry Depoto's built, despite some of the hamstringing, I think you can write a kind of an interesting script. Find a way, Salk. Find a way. Find a way. I wrote about it last night. You can read it at seattlesports.com. Carlos Pena, MLB Network, actually kind of likes what they've done. Well, I think this solidifies, say, the, the situation there at second base and really adds what a punch there in the lineup. Now, I'll tell you what, the Mariners, you know, let's not forget, they were just a week away from being in the postseason. And we look at the win totals, 88. You know, the Rangers win 90. Next thing you know, you know, the Seattle Mariners miss out. But is this all they need to do in order to uh, achieve what they want to achieve? You know, not necessarily. I think everybody else has to play better. I think we haven't seen the best of uh, Rodriguez yet, even though he had a very, very good season once again. Hanniger, we know that he can also swing the bat. Ty France also expected him to really bounce back and, and have a solid season. Mm-hmm. Is this the year? They'd have the tools to be able to accomplish so. They have the tools mm-hmm. to be able to accomplish that. Find a way. Find a way. Find a way. Here's the third thing you need oh, to know. I don't even want to talk about the ugly loss for the Kraken last night. They went to San Jose, could not find a way to put the puck in the net against one of the worst teams in the league. I thought they outplayed the Sharks, but couldn't solve their goalie, Madison Blackwood. So they lose 2-0, gave up an empty netter late. Another tough night for Matty Beneers. 
just lots of turnovers and they would what's make, going on with that dude i don't know but i'd really like to see him kind of get back to being what he's done uh they're done now for a little while all-star break oliver bjorkstrand their lone rep in toronto let me uh end need to know right there brock okay because there is some breaking-ish news on the coaching front as it turns out you're wrong the hay was not yet in the barn oh boy when it comes to oh interviewing tom pelissero moments ago the Seahawks are bringing in Ravens DC Mike McDonald today for a second interview for their head coaching job per sources. Seattle met with McDonald on Tuesday in Baltimore. Now he's going through the expanded process they did with other candidates. Mm. Your take? So they met with him Tuesday and then they're interviewing today. It's a five and a half hour flight from Baltimore. So, man, I'm kind of... I'm kind of smelling. Let's get him around the rest of the people in the building today, and let's secure this sucker today. So you think that's it? That this this will it. lead to Mike? I think McDonald. he was on that plane last night. I think he's now. You know, a, we feel really good about this, but let's just kind of have the final in front of maybe some of the other people in the organization, the president, and some of the others that weren't there. And my little sneaky sense is it would be really weird. Back to back days. Really weird to wait this long. Fly there, have him fly here, yeah. and then go with someone else. Yeah, we're going to pass. That, yeah. I mean, he would have to really blow the interview, you would think, in order to not be the next head coach of the Seahawks. So yep. we'll find out. Maybe today's the day, and maybe it'll be defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, who did a heck of a job with the Ravens this past year in Baltimore. All right, uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to talk to Ross Tucker for sure this time. He's calling the Super Bowl for Westwood One on radio. He's always fun to talk to, and uh, he certainly knows his offensive line play, and he recently did like a long interview with a Seahawk legend, so stick around. That's next on Brock and Salk. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, we don't know exactly what this means yet, but Tom Pelissero, who has been the leading reporter on the coaching search season, says the Seahawks are bringing in Mike McDonald today for a second interview for their head coaching job. So they met yesterday in Baltimore. Now he's here in Seattle today. So this is the same process. He says that they went through with all the other candidates, the other five uh, who were still available, but obviously to do it on back to back days and to do it here at the last, you know, it, it certainly lends a you lot be of credence to that you momentum. You've got to be careful assuming, especially with John, and, you know, again, looking back at his drafts and everything else, you better be very careful to just connect every dot and think this is now going to happen. But, boy, every piece of this sure feels like he's going to be the guy. Mm-hmm that you don't fly all the way back unless you were pretty enamored the first time around, and now we're going to get him around the rest of the family. Yep. Now he's going to get around you know, some of the other folks in the organization and make sure we're all comfortable with this and go get this deal done. Yeah, we'll see if that's the way it goes today. It certainly feels that way. I, I said a few minutes ago that while my gut has always said Dan Quinn, my head said if you were going to wait this long for McDonald's, then you'd probably get it done with McDonald's. And I I think he could be a fascinating candidate. If he's bigger risk, if he's bigger a risk, risk than Dan. Yeah, I Dan's think so. comfortable. Dan is is known. Dan's I'm good gonna... with the risk. I don't mind the risk factor. As I, look, I've told you all along. My fear is he's a great coordinator, and I don't know whether he's a great coach. 
But if John went through this process, given all of the other options that they had open to them and determined that he is that kind of a leader, he is that kind of a of a building culture maker and partner and everything else that he wants. Mm -hmm. I think those are phenomenal signs. He seems like a very serious dude. And, uh, you know, that may be what this team needs. Not that he's Mm -hmm. not positive, but he's detail oriented and he's very serious. And that may be exactly what this team needs. And he's been a pretty good organization. I mean, the Raven Way has been love that. pretty darn good for a couple decades. Like, there's a very clear, like, you know, you just look at any business in, in you know, outside of even sport. Like, this is our brand. This is who we are. The, we know what we are. You know, you know what a Raven is. I think we've largely known over the years what a Seahawk is mm-hmm. and the kind of Seahawk guys. And so maybe not a terrible surprise that, you know, John's going to end up through this entire process going with somebody, been in one organization. He's been there. He was at Georgia and in Baltimore. You know, and he obviously was with John for a year at Michigan, did a great job. But, yeah, every leaning certainly feels like it's going that direction. All right, let's uh, bring a friend into this conversation, Ross Tucker, joining us now. And, uh, Ross, been a little while. How you doing, buddy? I am doing awesome. It's great to talk with you guys. It's been way too long. I have no idea why you don't have me more on more often. Yep. And I got a lot to say, so let's do it. Well, it's Morris' fault. We tried to have you on yesterday, mm-hmm. and she yep. got her dates mixed up. So honestly, so we were going to have I, you on yesterday and today yeah. and tomorrow, Ross, <laughs> and Friday, and probably next Tuesday. So get ready to go. Yeah, we appreciate this. Um, what do you know about what do you know about uh, Mike McDonald? Because moments ago, we just found out that he's flying across the country for a second interview today after doing the first interview yesterday. What do you know about Mike McDonald? Uh, I, I guess I would say I feel like I know a decent amount because um, I did the Ravens Arizona Cardinals for CBS this year, so I got a chance to talk to him in the production meeting, and then. On the field before the game in Arizona, I talked to him. And then again, you know, I was on sideline Sunday for the AFC Championship game for the radio for Westwood One, and I talked to him for a while before the game Sunday, too. So I've talked to him once in a production meeting where he was impressive, and then twice just, just he and I. And, um, man, I really, really like him. Now, first of all, th- there's no discussion – about what he did this year with their defense. Like, none. I mean, you get guys off the couch who don't even go to training camp, like Clowney and Van Noy, to have career years. You lead the league in sacks with guys like that. Um, what he did defensively this year, and I would say even the adjustments he made to the Chiefs after those first two drives, to me, he's the number one defensive coordinator in the NFL right now. Now, what does that mean for a head coach? That's kind of a longer discussion, but he's a young guy. He's an impressive guy. It was interesting even just talking with him about the head coaching interviews he had done and the process, and he was pretty clear, like, I'm trying to win the Super Bowl. Like, I'm really focused on the Ravens. I said to him, like, how are you how are you prepping for these other teams for these interviews while you're getting ready for the game? And he's like, Man, I, I really can't. Like I, I really I really can't that much. Anyway, he's he's an awesome guy. I think you guys would love him. He's um yeah, give me his personality, Ross. Give me yeah, you can know, he we, command a yeah, yeah. Um you know, that's interesting. Uh I you know, I 
it's hard to know from three conversations, right? Mm-hmm. He definitely is terrific in a one-on-one setting, but he's not he's not like me. He's not like a loudmouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> like like you know, and so I don't know what he would be like in front of the room, but I got to tell you guys, I mean, they got a lot of veterans on that defense and they got strong guys like Roquan Smith and these guys that they have on defense in Baltimore and they all rave about him, and obviously the proof's in the pudding. So, you know, I don't think you have to be a loud mouth like me. And, I, you know, I think as long as it's clear you know what you're talking about, I think guys really, really respect that. Because um, I don't – I'd be curious to see what he would be like in a press conference. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he comes across as great one-on-one. I don't know what he's like, you know, in a setting like that. Any other comp, Ross Tucker here with us all over the NFL. He's going to be calling the Super Bowl on Westwood One as well. Any other comp that comes to mind of other coaches, Ross, over the years that you've sat in production meetings with, that you've been on the sidelines with? When you think of Mike McDonald, is there another coach that comes to the front of your mind as well as a comparison? Well, it's interesting because when you say that, one of the first things I thought about was Jonathan Gannon. And Jonathan Gannon... His personality is such that the first time I met him, within maybe within maybe three minutes, I thought to myself, a thousand percent, this guy's going to be a head coach. <laughs> and I would say I thought Mike McDonald was impressive, but I wouldn't say that he's got that kind of dynamic personality. <laughs> and I would also say... You know, maybe we overstate that. You know, I I know in Philly, the big thing was when they hired Sirianni, his first press conference, guys, it was bad. I mean, it was bad. And I don't don't know if you guys remember it, but it was really, really bad. I mean, I was getting, you know, I'm, I'm from outside of Philadelphia, and I'm getting text messages from all my high school buddies like, You've got to be kidding me. Like, this guy can't even put a sentence. Like, what is he even talking about? He just was talking about a plant or a flower. Like, they were, you know, some of the stuff Sirianni said, you know what, though? I mean, the next year they were in the Super Bowl, and he makes the right decisions in terms of clock management and timeouts and those type of things. So I think the most important thing that I've seen, I think I had nine head coaches in the NFL, you really got to be true to yourself and true to who you are. And as long as you're that, I think, I think that's good. Like, I don't think uh, McDonald is like a Vrabel either, you know, where Vrabel's kind of like that kind of guy. I think McDonald is a little bit more reserved possibly, but you know, I never felt like Kevin O'Connell or some of these other guys, you know, I never felt like some of these guys were guys that had dynamic uh, takeover a room personalities, and yet, like like Matt Lafleur doesn't. Matt Lafleur did a heck of a job in Green Bay, and he's not a guy that when you talk to him, you're like, "Wow, that guy, you know, he blew me away." I think great hair and good looking. Like I, that, that's a really sharp guy right there, McDonald. Oh, McDonald's sharp-looking, oh, too. Well, that's just because he's from Boston, born in Boston. <laughs> that must be the guy. reason. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. he's probably short like me and yeah. stocky. That's uh, generally yep. our, our yeah. M.O. when you're he from knew. the Northeast. 
No, he is. He is short and stocky Perfect. for sure. You know what I love about him? Sold. You know what I love about him in all sincerity? Um, he, uh, he didn't play college football. Right. Look, the guy, the, the guy is like, he's just all in on coaching and loves it. And, you know, it's cool if you're like Vrabel or you play in the NFL. Like, I, I get that part of it, too. But I guess I'm extremely impressed when you're a guy like McDonald. I forget what college you went to, but wherever he went, he was like coaching yep. when he was already in college. And um, I'm impressed by guys like that yeah. that don't have a great playing background and yet are still able to rise up the ranks. Because if you're a guy like that, you are really, really starting low on the totem pole. All right, we're talking to Ross Tucker. We only have a few more minutes, so uh, I want to do two things. First of all, I know you're promoting my front page story, so tell us a little bit about it. I think we talked to you about this last year. It's a really cool idea, so can you remind people what uh, what this is? Yeah, of course. Everybody has a significant other. I know what you're thinking. You're going to take them out to dinner or maybe get them flowers for Valentine's Day. You gotta change it up every once in a while. This is the change up. It's my buddy's company. You talk to a writer for, I don't know, 10 minutes, or you can fill out an email if you prefer. Tell them how great your significant other is. Guys, they write a story. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper, framed beautiful pictures of you and them, the kids if you have them. Probably no kids if you don't. That would be weird. Um, but it, it, it is awesome. Here's the two things I would tell you guys. Number one, while she's opening it, make sure you say, honey, I want to do something special and unique this year. So I had a story written about you. Mm. Like That just sounds yeah. incredible. And especially, but I like the way you change your voice years. for that, Ross. Like, yeah. that's a different voice you use. That was sultry. Yeah, sexy. that was, yeah, I, that was yeah. sensual. Yes, there's no question about that. And then when you talk to the writer, make sure you say this to the writer. If you only say one thing, this has mm. got to be the line. I just never thank her enough for all the little mm. things she does. Mm. Rock, even if you can't think of yep. one thing your wife does for you, just say that. Wow. Just say that one thing. Because I've seen them when they, when they watch the video. I've seen videos of this. When they read that line... It's like 95% uh, cry rate. It's like next-gen stats. They wow. will cry if you use that line. Myfrontpagestory.com, myfrontpagestory.com, way better than whatever you guys already had in mind for Valentine's Day. Which, which by the way, is nothing because it's not February right. until tomorrow. Yeah. You need to think about it until tomorrow. Yeah, we got two weeks. I mean, awesome. you know, most people are going to wait at least 10, 11 more days before figuring that out. Uh, hey, we just got you for another minute or so. You are calling the Super Bowl. That was originally what we were going to talk to you about before this McDonald news broke just a few minutes ago. And for those just tuning in, uh, he is flying across the country or already has for a second interview today, which certainly puts a lot of momentum in that camp for him to be the next Seahawks head coach. Uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl, Ross? Well, how, how could you pick anybody other than the Chiefs? Like, I, I talked about this on my betting podcast, the Even Money podcast yesterday. I know you guys are interested in this stuff. How are the 49ers favored in this game? Like that, that, so first of all, okay, the, the Chiefs were the better team pretty clearly in all three playoff games, including at Buffalo and at Baltimore. Guys, I can give you six plays off the top of my head right now, but if they went the other way, the Packers would have beat the Niners. 
And then the Lions were killing the Niners until they had maybe the worst meltdown I've ever seen. Like, like that was – I'm not from Detroit. I didn't play for the Lions. That was hard for me to watch. Yeah. I mean, like the drops, the way those guys were playing. So I just don't understand. The, the Chiefs are playing so much better. And even if you want to have the Niners and you think it's going to be a close game, how are you taking Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan – over Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid in a close game in the Super Bowl. Like, what are we even talking about? Mm. I loved the Chiefs last week getting the three and a half points against the Ravens. I love the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Maybe the Niners will win, but in my mind, if these teams played 10 Super Bowls, the Chiefs would win, I don't know, seven or eight of them. Mm. So I'm all in on the Chiefs. Mm. Sounds good, man. What a what a what a fun fifteen minutes. All right, I promise we won't wait a year to have you back on the show. It's just too much no. fun. February thirteenth, in fact, we're yeah. going to talk about myfrontpagestory.com. So book it February thirteenth. All right. How many Super Bowls is this for you? Uh, well, actually, I'm I'm just on the pregame show. Oh, I'm not I thought you were calling it. Oh, I'm sorry. The game. Oh, I told no, you. No, no, no. I'm just on I the uh, I'm just on the pre pre pregame show. No, that's okay. I will say I was on sideline for AFC Championship game, and it was it's such a cool thing. Like I yeah. to be able to be in there. Like I interview Andy Reid and Mahomes right after they win. Like Lejarius Sneed was crying. Yeah, it's very cool. Jimmy Taylor to talk with guys. Um. Well, I, I, I talked to her. I've really? met her before. Like, oh, oh, excuse oh, me. She's from, oh, she's from my hometown. You guys didn't know that? No. I, I guess I knew you were from outside okay. Philadelphia. I know she's from Pennsylvania, but. You dated in high school. Like my buddies? front page story.com. You guys yeah. dated in high school. Yes. Oh, no, no. I will. So, so she, no, she, uh, it, it's an hour west of Philly. It's called Wyoming, Pennsylvania. And, um, yeah, I, I've, I've met her a couple times. Um, I'm, I'm, I talk to her dad sometimes. He's really, he really likes football. I totally blew it by the way. Cause I talked to Kelsey before the game and I should have, I should have told Kelsey that I would give him a free order at my front page story.com to, uh, to give Taylor Swift that for Valentine's day. I'd be so rich. I would never have to talk to you guys or anybody else again. All I need to do is like Travis. I'm going to have this story written. All you need to do is tell uh, people that that's what you get Taylor for Valentine's Day. Yes. And then uh, I'm rich forever. Can you imagine over. imagine her surprise being in the newspaper for the first time. What would she think of such a thing? Ross, appreciate it, man. Uh, continued success. We'll talk again. All right, see you, dude. There's our guy, Ross Tucker, and uh, yes, my front page story.com. See, you ask, you just never know what you're going to get, Brock. How about do. that? That's why you I ask you do. three questions every day. I never know what I'm going to get, and we'll do it right now. This is Brock and Sox Blue 88. Blue 88! Blue 88! We take you to the field as Brock Ewer breaks down three football questions as only he can. Now here's your hosts, Brock Ewer and Mike Sox. Brock, what do you make of the Seahawks having Mike McDonald fly across the country for a second interview in as many days? I think they were enamored with him all the way through this process. I think there is many characteristics that are on the opposite side of the spectrum from a Coach Carroll. The details, the equipping schematically, all of the things that are, you know, have been so critical for him over the course of his career. Personality, you just heard once again from Ross Tucker, very different from Pete. 
how he's going to handle a press conference, how he's going to handle a team meeting, how he's going to handle all that comes with being a head coach. But it sure strikes me that if you're impressed with somebody in his hometown, like they were in Baltimore, that you now want to fly him across the country five plus hours to get him in your hometown, to get him in front of your family, in front of your people, to cross those T's, dot those I's, and make him the next head coach of your Seattle Seahawks. All right, question number two. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah came out with his top 50 prospect list. What jumped out to you yesterday? Rome Adunza. I figure that might be on the list. Holy smokes. So top 50, I want to say he had like 11, 11 wide receivers, 10 offense linemen, so it is heavy. You want to look at the strength of a, of a draft? Like where is it? You know, we talked about this last year with the Seahawks at 5 and 20, where it was kind of the heaviest a season ago this year. Yeah, it is uh, a lot of wide receivers, a lot of offensive linemen, especially tackles, certainly some quarterbacks. But Daniel Jeremiah's got Roma Dunze is his third best prospect. This isn't a mock draft. This is simply Daniel grading the prospect, looking at his talent, looking at his tape, looking at his film. Ahead of Marvin Harrison Jr. No, no, I think Marvin was two. Oh, was he two? No. Yeah. I, oh, okay. I think he was two. Justin, you could fact check me on that. I think I think he had Caleb number one. I think Marvin. I thought he was had two. the maze too. No, I don't think so. Caleb uh, one. Oh, you're right. Harrison two. A dude yes. three. Then Drake May. Then Drake May. Sorry, my fault. Dude is special. Yeah. Special, special, special. And we knew it then, but he was somewhat overshadowed because of Penix. He was somewhat overshadowed because of the Kalen DeBoer story. Right, and, and even the supporting cast on that offense that was loaded with some dudes. Troy Fautanu, by the way, right where he was in the mock draft, right there to the Seahawks at 15, 16. Michael Penix. Michael Penix. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. We're 20. Michael Penix. We're 25. We're 30. We're 35. Michael Penix all the way down at number 40. As far as just, once again, Daniel just doing the, I'm not mocking this to anybody. I'm not looking at team needs. I'm just simply looking at their empirical evidence of their collegiate tape and their talent. Roma Dunze, number three. Mm-hmm. Penix, number four, 40. The story was Penix all year. Maybe it should have been a little bit more of what Roma Dunze is as a player. He's yeah, phenomenal. by the way, he's got J.J. McCarthy at 27, and he's got uh, Bo Nix at 23, Correct. both significantly ahead of Michael Penix. I'm sorry, I, that's really hard for me to understand, but yep. he certainly watches a lot more film than I do. Question number three. Uh, speaking of Penix, he's in Mobile today yep. and uh, has been all week. He's not the only guy there. Yep. He says he's healthy, Brock. Uh, in fact, not only is he saying it, Dr. Neil Elitrash is saying it. One of the, what, three most important names in orthopedic surgery, mm-hmm. right? Along with James Andrews and probably Lewis Yoakum. Yeah. How important is that? Yeah, I think it's very important. I think this is Michael's agency now making sure, hey, we're reading the room. We're looking at this draft stock. We, we After a Texas game, we've got the whole country talking about Michael Penix. We've got Joel Klatt and Colin Coward and everybody talking about him as a top five pick, a top ten pick. This dude is an NFL dude. National title game comes and he gets stung and he gets beat up. And now the questions kind of come and now we look at the frame and wow, he's kind of thin. And I'm talking to a few people down in that are in Mobile. Mobile. And said, eh, so-so. Kind of beauties in the eye of the beholder. What you want to see? Do you want to see kind of a skinny guy with a little bit of an awkward release? And or do you want to see just a rocket arm throws the prettiest ball down there in Mobile? Because you saw both stories. I mean, and these narratives are going to be written for the next two months. But if you're his agent, 
I think that is a savvy move. Get ahead of it. Here you go. Before you even get to the combine and do all your medicals, we're going to do a little bit of homework for you. We're going to look at that ACL that's been repaired twice. We're going to have the best surgeon in America give us the, the go-ahead and say there's nothing here that's abnormal. There's nothing projecting-wise that should be uncomfortable for you as an organization when it comes to his knee. Unfortunately, I think it's more than just the knee. I think it is the total frame. High-cut guy, like DJ said to us. High-cut guy, very, very lean. Can that can that frame just sustain the pounding? It didn't in the national title game, albeit against an elite, elite defense. Can it do in the NFL? That's why DJ has him at 40, and the other guys that we talked to, Matt Miller, have him in the second round. He's got to get that, that, that stock climbing starts this week in Mobile. All right, that uh, that is today's Blue 88. It's interesting looking at uh, DJ's list here of his top 50, and a few Mm -hmm. things stand out to me. One, it's really offense-heavy at the top. Eight of his first 10 players are all on offense, and one of those is a cornerback. The other is uh, Dallas Turner, the edge rusher from Alabama. And then, really, it kind of continues from there. 11, tackle, 12, tackle, 13, tackle. Mm -hmm. Finally, at 14, you get Jared Verse, uh, the edge rusher from, from Florida State, and then wide receiver, Tackle Troy Faltano at 16. Yeah. Tackle, tackle, cornerback yep. Quinn Mitchell, and then linebacker. That's your top 20. It's yeah. like four guys on you know, defense you know, in your top man, 20. You know what you have not found lately in these drafts is just the elite D lineman. Well, there's zero. I mean, he, you don't get a D lineman until 22 with Byron Murphy and right. then uh, the guy from uh, Illinois is a little both bit of after those that. those guys are so. undersized. Both of them are like probably going to measure six one and a half. Yeah, I mean, you're both not of them, seeing mm-hmm. those huge, powerful dudes inside. Nope. So if that's the case, and that's what this draft is, I think I'm with you. If this is a draft that's all about the offensive line, maybe you do go get a Faltano and just you know, run that. Or, you know, there are a couple of edge guys that can set an edge, which is another thing they seem to be struggling with. So yep. it'll be fun to talk about. We'll do it. First, we've got to find out who the, court, who the coach is going to be. A lot of momentum in one direction today. We'll tell you more about it as KJ Wright steps in next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.